Well, good morning, New Life family. It is always a blessing to be with you, uh, especially on today. So this morning, we will be primarily in the book of Acts chapter 1, and I'll have the passage on the screen, but if you wish uh, to follow along in your pew Bible, you can open up to page 90. And so it's in the New Testament, so it's towards the end of your Bible, your pew Bible, but it's actually on page 90 towards the end. So the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are two different books in our Bible, but really they're one work, inspired by the Holy Spirit and written by a man named Luke. Now Luke was a physician and an historian, and he accompanied Paul on some of his missionary endeavors. And the Gospel of Luke ends with a short description of the ascension and is basically an overlap of where the book of Acts begins. And our passage this morning contains some of the last words, or maybe the last words, that Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven. So let's start with chapter 1, verse 1. In this book, or in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So the first book is the Gospel of Luke, which means the book of Acts is the second book. And Theophilus is the recipient of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And then in the first verse, I is is Luke, the author. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to, or for, Theophilus. Now there's some debate as to who Theophilus was, and the most likely, um, the most likely possibility is that Theophilus was a guy who supported Luke financially so that he could conduct a major research project into the life of Christ and the life of the early church. And the other possibility is that Theophilus, which literally in the Greek means friend of God, was kind of like a code name to, of a church to whom Luke was writing. But no matter who Theophilus was, uh, Luke's writing is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Luke wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. And so that's what's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, And then Luke says here in verse 2 that before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he gave instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And we're going to focus more specifically on those instructions in a moment. Verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So after his suffering, so after Jesus' death on the cross, he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead in victory over sin and death. And this is the resurrection, which we celebrate really every Sunday, but specifically on Easter Sunday. And he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So there was a 40-day period in between the resurrection and the ascension. And during those 40 days, Jesus met with his disciples and spent time with them and continued to teach them about the kingdom of God. And then on the 40th day, 
he, Christ, ascended into heaven. Verse 4, while staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. He said, this is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when the disciples had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? So the disciples, they still had misconceived presuppositions and misunderstood messianic expectations. So they still thought that Jesus the Messiah was going to restore the political nation state of Israel. They didn't quite realize fully yet that Jesus the Messiah had much greater, more significant, eternal purposes to accomplish. Verse 7, Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're going to focus our attention uh, on verse 8 this morning, but first let's finish, finish our passage. So verse 9, when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this is the ascension. Jesus ascended from the earth into heaven, and upon his second coming, he will return in the same way. Verse 10, while he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, so that's our Bible passage this morning. And in verse 8, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we're going to spend some time unpacking this verse this morning. So first, let's consider this word, witnesses. You are a witness of and for Jesus Christ. Just like the disciples 2,000 years ago, if you are in Christ, you are a witness of and for Christ. This is one of those things that we live out in practical ways, what God has already made us to be in position. As Christians, one aspect of our God-given identity is that we are witnesses of and for Christ. This is a statement of being even before it's a statement of doing. So in the Christian faith, being fuels doing. Identity fuels action. Who we are, who God has made us, determines what we do. So because God has made us witnesses of and for Jesus Christ, we do the work of witnessing. Jesus said that his followers will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So on one hand, the disciples, they did this. So this is just 
uh, a map taken from Google Maps with modern day nation states, but I put on, uh, on there, on red, some of the names of some of the apostles and, and the disciples and the physical locations to where they went. So the little star right in the middle is Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And then these guys and a handful of others went to the ends of the known earth. So Simon went to Persia, Bartholomew, the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, Peninsula. Uh, Matthew went to Eastern Africa, Philip, Northern Africa. Thomas went to India and planted the first church there, which is still in existence to this day called Martoma. And then Paul, his goal was to go to Spain as far as he could possibly go with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So they all went from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the known earth. Now, sometimes people look at this verse and they view it as concentric circles on a map. So you've got Jerusalem in the middle, Judea is the next circle out, and then Samaria is the next circle, and then the ends of the earth. If you happen to live in the United States, you can say it's your home church, your state, your country, and then the whole world. So that's a possibility. That's, that's, that's one possibility. Another possibility is that Luke is simply describing how he is going to unfold the book of Acts. And so as Luke records what the Holy Spirit did in and through the first generation of believers, and he records what the church did, he starts by recording their activities in Jerusalem, and then their activities in Judea, and then their activities in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And you can see on the screen how in the book of Acts, uh, the chapters and the verses that correspond with each location. And really, it was persecution that kind of led them from one place to the next. So that's a possibility as well. It's possible that Luke is giving us a, a, a simple outline of his book. But I think that there's something more going on here. And so what I'm gonna propose this morning, and this is more so as application than as interpretation. But what if these four places are not concentric circles on a map? And what if these four places are not simply uh, an outline of the book of Acts? But what if Jesus is speaking here of a, a four-quadrant grid? And what if he's saying, my followers will be my witnesses in these four places? So first, we have quadrant one, Jerusalem, which would be culturally and ethnically similar, geographically close. Quadrant two, Judea, culturally and ethnically similar, but geographically far. And then quadrant three, Samaria, culturally and ethnically different, geographically close. And quadrant four, the ends of the earth, culturally and ethnically different, geographically far. So if this is a four-quadrant grid that Jesus is speaking of here, then guess what? This verse has been fulfilled for you and for me, but it's not yet been fulfilled for about three billion people alive on earth today. And I'll unpack that number three billion in a few moments. But first, from where Jesus was standing and speaking, it doesn't get much more ends of the earth than Sterling and Rock Falls and Dixon and the Sauk Valley area. 
we are culturally and ethnically different than Jesus and the first century Christians, and we are geographically far from them. So we are the ends of the earth. This means that today we are Jesus Christ's witnesses at the ends of the earth and to the ends of the earth, right here in the Sauk Valley area where we live. So we can and we should praise God that this verse has been fulfilled for us and is being fulfilled by us. So let me ask this question. How are we doing as a church in these four quadrants? I think there are at least two areas where we are excelling and God would encourage us to continue to excel. And I think there's one area where we can seek the Lord and ask him to move in mighty ways within us and among us to be his witnesses for his glory. So, quadrant one, our Jerusalem. Culturally and ethnically similar, geographically close. I think that we are excelling here as a church, and God would continue us to continue to excel. Quadrant two, our Judea, culturally and ethnically similar, geographically far. Now, I'd say that this quadrant is the lowest priority because we live in a nation where certainly things aren't perfect, but there are other Christians and, and other churches in places that are culturally and ethnically similar, but geographically far. And those other Christians and those other churches are being the witnesses that God has called them to be. So quadrant three, our Samaria. Culturally and ethnically different, geographically close. So this is the area where I would encourage us as a church to really commit to prayer and to seeking the Lord together as to how he might want to use us for his glory and for the earthly and eternal good of others right here in the Sauk Valley area amongst those who are culturally and ethnically different, geographically close. And then quadrant four, culturally and ethnically different, geographically far. Our ends of the earth. I think that we, as a church, we are excelling in this area and God encourages us to continue to excel. And I say that we as a church are excelling in this quadrant, and I'll get into the specifics of, of what that looks like in our missions luncheon and the presentation that follows uh, this church service, and I hope that you will stick around for that. But I said earlier that this verse, Acts 1.8, has been fulfilled for us, but it's not yet been fulfilled for about three billion people alive on earth today. And three billion, that's a, a big number, and it's, it's a general number. So there's about 7.9 billion people alive on earth today, and we can roughly say that about one-third of earth's population at least claim Christianity as their religion. And then one-third of the earth's population, they, they know about Christianity, and they, they could become a Christian if they wanted to, but they are not believers. And that leaves the other one-third of the Earth's population. So they live in parts of the world where, simply, Christianity does not exist. 
There's no possibility for them to be saved unless a Christian or a group of Christians crosses geographic, political, linguistic, ethnic, cultural, societal barriers to go to them and to share the gospel with them. So this one-third of the earth's population is known as the unreached. And they will be born and live their whole life and die, never hearing about Jesus, never hearing about the gospel message, never hearing about the God who took on flesh for them, the God who loves them, the God who died for them and rose again for them, the God who made salvation and forgiveness of sins possible for them. And so I want to ask a question <clears throat> right now, and it's, it's a heavy question. And the question is, what happens to people when they die if they've lived their whole life and they've never heard about Jesus? That's a tough question. What happens to people who are born in a part of the world where Christianity doesn't exist, an unreached part of the world? And they go through their childhood years and their adult years, and they never hear about Jesus. They never hear about the salvation that's found in his name. And then they die. Well, that's a heavy question. And I think that in order to answer this question, we need to do two things. Number one, we need to go to Scripture. And we need to be informed by the Word of God. And then from there, number two, we really need to spend time and reflect upon what Scripture says, letting it take root within our hearts, within our minds, within our thoughts, within our reasoning, within our beliefs and our convictions and our subsequent actions. So some people will say that if someone lives their whole life and they never hear about Jesus, they'll go to heaven. But when we think about that statement or that position, there are some real, real problems. So first, if people go to heaven because they've never heard about Jesus, then the worst thing we can do is evangelism and sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. If people go to heaven because they've never heard about Jesus, then we should just keep our mouths shut and not proclaim the gospel so that 100% of people can go to heaven. Because the moment we start talking about Jesus or sharing the gospel with people, now there's just a 50-50 chance at best. Either they'll believe and go to heaven or reject and go to hell. So if people go to heaven because they've never heard about Jesus, that would completely make evangelism counterproductive. And Jesus would not have told us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And in fact, it would be evangelism that actually results in people not going to heaven. So if the statement or the position that says people go to heaven when they die, if they've never heard about Jesus, it is not biblically or theologically sound. And that makes our identity as Jesus Christ's witnesses eternally significant. So I think we really need to rely upon scripture to answer this question. And there's something called the Romans Road, and maybe you've heard of it. It's a selection of a few verses from the book of Romans that clearly presents the gospel message and clearly calls people to respond to the gospel message with faith in Jesus. So first we have Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All people, all have sinned, all fall short 
even the unreached, all have sinned. Next, we have Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Then we have Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And then lastly, Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So these are the propositional truths that Scripture declares. All have sinned. All fall short. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. How is that possible? While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So that if we believe God raised him from the dead and confess him as Lord, we will be saved. So in light of this, we ask the question again. What happens to a person who lives their whole life, never hearing about Jesus, never having the opportunity to believe in their heart or to confess with their mouth, and thus be saved. Well, Paul continues in chapter 10 of Romans, and he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's where Paul speaks specifically of the unreached. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can, they, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And so, as we go to Scripture to answer this question, and as we reflect upon what Scripture says, we see the importance and the urgency of going about our lives in such a way as to make Christ known to all people. And as a church, New Life Family, we are doing this. As a church, we are being obedient to the Lord and his word. As a church, we are playing our part in making Christ known here in Sterling and the surrounding areas and even to the ends of the earth. And God is calling us to excel still more. Given what the book of Romans says and given what our passage in the book of Acts says, let's keep on excelling as a church. I want to commend us as a church for what we are currently doing. And I want to encourage us to excel still more as Christ witnesses in our Jerusalem in our Judea, in our Samaria, and to the places that we consider to be the ends of the earth. <clears throat> so let me close with a quick 
application. It's quick, it's simple, it's easy, but it's incredibly important. And the application is simply pray. Pray. Pray with urgency. Pray that we, as a church, would continue to be Christ witnesses in areas that are culturally and ethnically similar, geographically close, our Jerusalem. And let's pray that God would use us in mighty ways as his people and as his witnesses in areas that are culturally and ethnically different, geographically close, our Samaria, right here where we live in the Sauk Valley area. And then let's pray for Christ to be known by each and every individual, even to the ends of the earth. So this sermon has been a, a general overview of what it looks like for us to practically live out our calling and our identity as Christ witnesses. And I'll just close with one more exhortation and invitation to stay uh, for our missions luncheon. Uh, we just heard from uh, David and, and Kristen in Germany. In a moment here, we're going to hear from uh, those who serve in Brazil. Those are two families that our church supports. And then also, uh, after lunch, I will share some stories and some pictures and some videos about what life has been like on the mission field uh, for the past five years, what God is doing specifically in the nation of Vietnam, as well as some expectations and hopes and goals and longings for the next five-ish years um, on the mission field. And so I, I pray that you will, will stick around and, and come to our missions uh, event after this service.